and, uh, and, and several times he told people, basically, it's not for you to know or be concerned about it. He told the disciples that in Acts chapter 1, and, and, and he, he told uh, Peter in, in John chapter 21, you know, if I, speaking of John, he said, if, if I will that, that he continue till I come, what is that to thee? Basically, there are just some things that you don't know, you don't need to know, and you just need to be faithful in the things that you do know, but there is coming a day where we're going to understand some things that we don't understand today, and that ought to be an encouragement to us. We have the privilege tonight of hearing from Pastor Schaefer. I mentioned that a moment ago. I just so appreciate Brother Schaefer and just his, his friendship. One thing I can say about him is every, since I've known him, every time I've ever had interaction with him, he's always been an encouragement to me, and I appreciate that. I really do, and I trust that the Lord will use him to be an encouragement to all of us tonight through his word. So, brother, would you come and preach to us? Well, first of all, I'm thankful that the Lord uh, took the weather from today, actually, and moved it till tomorrow, instead of moving the weather from tomorrow to today. Did I confuse anybody yet? There will be a test at the end of the message just to see. Anyway, uh, it's amazing how the songs that were sung, the congregational songs, uh, I don't know who picks them out, but um, the Lord evidently moved on the person because even the last song, you know, think about, let's have a real uh, uplifting song at the best, you know, at that very last, just before the message, farther along, things are terrible, toils along the way, all sorts of trust struggles and troubles and so on and so forth and really uh, the message tonight is about responding to adversity has anybody had any adversity during the last 12 months in their life no well i guess we can just well we all know that's not the way it works but responding to adversity uh, is something that we we all do we either respond properly and scripturally or we respond improperly and unscripturally so I want to start off with 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. This is one of the uh, firm grasp of the obvious uh, verses in the scripture. And we'll just read just the, the first sentence there in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 as we look at responding to adversity this evening. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. The Bible says, This know also that in the last days... Whenever those are, perilous times shall come. It's not a matter of they might come. Uh, they may come. If we pray hard enough, they won't come. It's basically a promise in Scripture. In the last days, perilous time, times shall come. How many of you think we're there? Possibly, all right? The word perilous there means hard to take. The times are, are hard to take. They're hard to bear. They're troublesome times. There's a song that goes, troublesome times are, are near, uh, filling our hearts with fear. That's what perilous is all about. Dangerous times. It goes on the description or the definition, harsh times. Are we living in harsh times? Fierce times. And as we think of what's happening in the Ukraine, savage times. And so in John chapter 16 and Verse 33, the Bible says, These things 
I have spoken unto you, this is Jesus speaking, that, which of course is a purpose statement. These things I've spoken unto you, that next two words, if you're there, in me, that in me ye might have peace. Why do you think a lot of people don't have peace? Because they're looking elsewhere besides Christ. In the world, it says, ye shall have tribulation. Once again, it's one of those things, it's a statement of fact. It's going to happen. In the world, you shall have tribulation. Aren't you glad that was this was written to first century Christians rather than to what, what century are we in now? 21st or 22nd or wherever it is. Once you're retired, you just lose track of time. Uh, you shall have tribulation. But then I lo love this part. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In other words, it's pretty simple. In the world, you shall have tribulation. Well, right away, that troubles our hearts. But be of good cheer. In other words, anyway, because I have overcome the world. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 24, the Bible says, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house, referring to himself, Jesus said, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? How many of you are part of the household of God? If you're a saved person, you're of the household of God. How much more? In other words, you think Jesus had a tough time during his earthly ministry. He said, how much more shall they call them of his household? In other words, we need to get ready for it. We can isolate ourselves from the world, but when we come in contact with the world, there will, there will be some people who will receive the message of Christ, but there will be some that will uh, tell you to get lost. I was sharing with uh, Pastor Smith uh, that when I moved to Laramore, North Dakota, which at the time had population 1,800 people, I thought, wow, what a nice you know, rural atmosphere and so forth. And I went to the trailer park and knocked on one of the doors, and uh, the man came to the door, and I said, hi, I'm Ken Schaefer from the New Testament Baptist Church. He reached over and got a pistol and said, I'm not interested. And as I told Pastor Smith, I took him at his word. <laughs> and so I went ahead and left. But, and, and I thought, of all the places where that could happen, little old Laramore, North Dakota, and why were they so mean to a nice person like me? But that's not the way the world is thinking. They're, they're contrary to us. If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, if our Lord Jesus Christ suffered ad adversity from the adversary, we can just mark it down. The perilous times today have arrived. They're here. And we can either respond in one of two ways. We can respond with doubt. Oh no, what's going to happen? Or we can respond with faith. We can respond by faith. How many of you think that God has everything under control? We would all say amen. How many times do we find ourselves acting like he's not in control? In other words, as soon as we worry, when I was thinking about the songs that we were singing, the words, you know, oh no, what's going on now? As Pastor Weiss said, the reality is we don't know really what's going on. We, we can read the news, but that's not what's really going on behind the scenes. And so we can respond 
with doubt or we can respond with faith. I'll be the first one to say there are times when I respond with doubt. Oh, no, what's going to happen now? And that's just with a flat tire. And the, the adversities that come our way are much worse than that. And so what happens when we have a faith response during the times of adversity? And so there are three points tonight. So you can count. When I get to number three, that means we're real close to the end. All right? But a faith response, first of all, identifies us as peculiar people. It does. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, the account is given of David and his men coming back to Ziklag. And when they got there, uh, they were having a barbecue. I mean, everything was on fire. It was all burning down. And so we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. How many of you would have been? But there's a reason for it. And David was greatly distressed for... And what does four mean 95% of the time in Scripture? He's kind of hoping for a response. And David was greatly distressed for because the people spake of stoning him. Why? Because the soul of all the people was grieved. All the people that were there, their wives and their children and all their stuff, had been taken and the city burned. I would have been greatly distressed too. But I would have been also greatly distressed because the people were speak, speaking of stoning me because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. So you have the whole group of everybody else in Ziklag is thinking about it's his fault. Finger pointing goes way back, doesn't it? And so, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Can you imagine that there was only one person who was responding with a faith response? And he was literally the odd man out. David identified himself as one who was not going to let the circumstance defeat him. I don't know about you, but there have been a lot of circumstances that I thought, I'm done. And maybe you've gone through some too. But while all the people were grieved, David was different. He encouraged himself, and those next words are important, in the Lord. He didn't say, oh, I'm, I'm encouraged because I've got 600 fighting men. I know they're about to stone me, but there's 600 fighting men. No, he didn't do that. He was encouraging himself in the Lord. He wanted victory in the circumstance and all the way through the circumstance to the very end. Now we realize that God knows what each and every one of us, what each and every one of you are going through. There, there are a lot of unspoken requests that are never even offered as unspoken requests. They're the unspoken request of our hearts that we, we don't even want to we don't, we don't even feel like asking people to pray about it. It's sometimes like we've resigned ourselves that this is just the way the situation is and it's the way the situation is going to continue to be. I believe we've all been there. But God knows and he wants you to tell him that you are willing to trust him. Are you willing to trust him? 
I wrote down two things that I've said more than one time. God, I'm going to watch what you can do, and I'm going to do what you want me to do. Because I knew I, I, can't, I can't take care of this situation. Something else I've said, God, if anyone is going to be able to take care of this, you will be able. And sometimes we might say once again, these are firm grasp of the obvious statements, aren't they? How many of you, how many of you think God is really not able to take care of the situation? Well, none of us would raise our hands. But I, I have to verbalize it. God, if anyone's going to be able to take care of this, you will be able. I'm trusting in you. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, in verse 8, David inquired at the Lord. Now we know that's the scripturally right thing to do. But sometimes we run down our checklist. Well, I'm going to do this first, this second, this third, this fourth. And how many times have you heard? Well, nothing else has worked. We might as well inquire at the Lord. And sometimes we, we laugh a little bit about that, but how many times do we really do this? There's no need to trouble the Lord with this. I've got it. You know, who can't do this? And after four tries, it's still not done. Okay, Lord, how, how, how am I going to handle this? And then if the Lord wanted to be sarcastic, he could say, oh, finally got around to inquiring at the Lord. But that's exactly what David did. David inquired at the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this troop? In other words, it's the logical thing to do, but it might not be the right thing to do. Shall I overtake them? What that means is, will I be able to catch up with them and do them in? In our vernacular. And God answered him. God answered him, pursue for thou shalt overtake them. Here's the, here's the part I like. And without fail, there's no way you're going to fail to recover all. I'm glad the Lord didn't say, you'll be able to get some of them back, but because you made some stupid decisions, I'm not going to let you recover all. God took into account that the decisions that David made that led up to Ziklag being burned, all the people being stolen, were David's fault, isn't God good to have mercy on us and say, I'm going to let, I'm going to let you recover all. In 1 John 5, 14, the Bible says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. I like that. That's a good promise. Luke 18, verse 27, and he said, Jesus speaking, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Now, these are a lot of verses that, that we, we memorize. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but I fail to put them into practice sometimes. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Well, I know it's possible, but I'm not sure God's going to do it. I, I know he can do it, but I, I just really, and what I might as well say is, I doubt that he'll, that he'll do it because I really don't have enough faith that he will do it. But I don't verbalize it that way. I just, I just think, you know, um, it's impossible with me, and if God wants to do something, that's fine, but I'm not going to bother him with it. Anyway, the people of God are not supposed to be blown away by the adversities and the circumstances. We are to ask God 
And if it is his will to blow away the adversity or the circumstance. I think we've all had some times in our lives when there was a circumstance there and it, it got blown away. And it was like, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you, thank you. But there are many times where we have to say, but if it is not his will to do that, we are to pray that God will give us wisdom, as David prayed, to determine the correct course of action. Okay, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And no matter what happens, like Job, we can say, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. No, it's not real easy to say, but we can. But secondly, not only does a faith response identify us as a peculiar people, but secondly, a faith response separates us from those who are defeated. Think about that. Because a faith response, hey, we're looking for victory. But there are some who are already defeated during the first round of the fight. We don't have to separate ourselves, you may have noticed, you don't have to separate yourselves from the defeated. The defeated have a tendency to separate themselves from us. How many can say I've been on both sides? Because I have. But they don't want to deal, the defeated don't want to deal with uncomfortable circumstances. Who does? But with God, we can because we know that if God wants to have victory in this particular area of my life, he can. And I'm going to trust him to give me victory. So strangely enough, many times the circumstances that we find ourselves in today are so small compared to what our Christian brothers of yesteryear in, endured. I had to sit in traffic for an entire hour. It didn't move at all for an entire hour. Oh, how sad. And then we think of our, our Baptist forefathers who were burned at the stake, singing and praising God as they were in the midst of dying at the hands of cruel persecution and punishment. But anyway, think about the, uh, the 12 spies that went out from spying out the promised land. Everybody knows or most people know what the story is all about. After the 12 spies returned from spying out the land, Joshua and Caleb said, let's do it. Let's get it done. Let's take that land. We can do this. We know it's possible. Of course, being in the minority is kind of a sad thing, isn't it? Numbers 13, verse 31, the Bible says, but the men that went up with him, Caleb and Joshua had their say, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people. Now, in and of itself, we be not able to go up against the people. Is that true or false? Just in its, yeah, most of you know, it's not a trick question, it's not a true and false. The test is at the end of the message. But we be not able to go up against the people is absolutely true. How many of you can go out and face all of the, the adversities that are coming to you tomorrow? Well, we don't know. We don't know what they are. 
Okay, let's say you had a list and you knew exactly what they are. You are to enter the promised land. You are to kill giants that are three feet taller than you are. They're going to have armor. You're going to have nothing. You're going to be like grasshoppers in their sight and in your own sight. All right? How are you going to do tomorrow? Well, I don't know. All right? We be not able to go up against the people, but here was what their problem was. For, what does that mean again? I was kind of hoping there was more people that remembered than the last time. We be not able to go up against the people for, thank you, because they are stronger than we. Is that a true statement? True or false? It's false. We be not able to go up against the people because in our own strength, we are weaker than they are. But the good news was what? God's much stronger than they are. Those who run from adversity sense their own weakness. I know, I've done, I've done it. I've been there. But they don't realize at that time that no one can handle the circumstances of life in their own strength anyway. None of us can. Those of you who are, who are young, you probably think you can really handle things. I remember, oh, what would it be, 50? Who would give me 55? Who would give me 60 years ago? I, I felt like, oh, I can handle this. But now, the older I get, the more I realize, ain't God good to take care of the things we can't take care of. No one can handle the circumstances of life in their own strength anyway. But the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So a good question to ask is, who are we placing our hope and trust in? Well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trusting that the, the pastors, uh, you know, they're, they're going to take care of things, and uh, I'm not going to have to worry about it. They'll take care of everything. No, <clears throat> that's not true or false. That's false. God can help this church to be exactly what it ought to be, true or false. Exactly true. That's the way it really is. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul introduces himself, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. The Lord Jesus Christ is our hope. He's our only hope. The reason our hope is in Christ is although you are no match for your circumstances, your circumstances are no match for your Lord. And that's what we need to remember. First, faith response identifies us as peculiar people. Second, a faith response separates us from those who are defeated. But what else does our response to adversity do? Our faith response changes our future and those who follow after us. You've heard it said that you're either leaving a blessing or a curse for your children and those over whom you have an influence. And I think it's good for us to remember that because the first part's pretty obvious, isn't it? Um, you're either leaving a blessing or a curse for your children. But you have more of an influence than you think you do. It doesn't just stop with your children. 
it goes on to those over whom you have an influence. Well, preacher, you don't know me. I just don't have much of an influence. Well, I'm just telling you, you're wrong. You have more of an influence than you think. We have an intentional influence, but we also have an unintentional influence. And that's the way it is. But your example is either encouraging people to higher ground or discouraging them to compromise and to absolute ruin. And I believe if we think about that, you, preacher, my example could l cause somebody to be discouraged to, to ruining their lives? Yes. In fact, your influence may cause the death of someone. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't see that. Well, which one is it for you? Do you believe your, your example is an encouragement or a discouragement? Which one? Remember the curse from just 10 spies who responded in doubt instead of faith? In the book of Numbers, chapter 32, Moses is recounting the story of what happened. And I'll just read it to you, Numbers 32, verse 9. He was talking to several of the tribes, half-tribe and so forth. And this is what he said about these 10 spies that came back with an evil report. For when they went up unto the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel. And that's what it does. It discourages the heart. That they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time. And he sware, saying, Surely those ten spies that brought the evil report shall not see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Is that what the scripture says? Well, partially, but I want you to notice what happens. The Lord's anger was kindled the same time, and he swears saying, and this time I'll read it, the whole thing, surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob. Because they, the antecedents, oh, you remember that from grammar? Well, neither do I, but that's what it is, all right? They are, who, who are they? The men from 20 years old and upward. That's what he's talking about. Because they have not wholly followed me. Well, why, well, why did all of the men from 20 years old and upward not, not get to see the land? Why did their carcasses die in the wilderness? Because they listened to the testimony of 10 men. You can take a look. We're talking about probably tens of thousands of people, perhaps more, perhaps even 100,000, perhaps more died in the wilderness. Why? Because they listened to the example of 10 men. Your response to the circumstances and the adversities affects others. All of those men from 20 years old and upward 
died in the wilderness. The Bible puts it, their carcasses fell in the wilderness. Well, preacher, my example isn't that important. Ten men influenced 10,000, 100,000, 500,000. We're not even positive exactly how many men died in the wilderness over 40 years of wandering. When one person leaves the church to avoid a circumstance, to avoid a problem with people, they rarely leave alone. I believe we all know that. They set an example for some other, perhaps weaker Christian, to follow in their steps. That's what happened in the wilderness with those ten spies and those they influenced. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, uh, Moses said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, he was speaking to the people, that I have set before you life, who wants life? Yeah, and death. And then he equated it with blessing and cursing. And then he said, therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Now think very carefully about this. Notice it says that both thou and thy seed may live. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, you understood, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. I said your choices affect others. We, we read in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19, God speaking about Abraham said, for I know him, I know Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him. His example, his leadership to his children and to his household after him, then they shall keep the way of the Lord. Why, why would they do that? They're following his example. To do justice and judgment, that, another purpose statement, so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Our example, our example makes a big difference, separates us from the defeated. In conclusion, if you face the circumstances and adversities of life, head on, with God's help, you are teaching your children not to run away every time their feelings are hurt in a situation. Numberless will be the times that your feelings will be hurt in life. It is impossible but that offenses will come. Remember who said that? Jesus. It's impossible but that offenses will come. And those offenses are part of the adversities that we're going to face. Usually every day. If you're not offended every day, you must have been sick in bed and couldn't get up. But Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. There's a lot of principles in Proverbs 23 verse 7. But as you think in your heart, so you become. You're teaching yourself to do what you think about the most. Running away. How many times have we heard it? Running away never has helped a thing. And yet we get our track shoes on and get ready to get out of there. 
But what, what does running away do? It trains your mind to run away when everything doesn't go according to the way you think it should go. So let us respond to adversity in faith and in the power and strength of the Lord. Brother Smith.